Hi, thanks for joining us on another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students who are willing to take risks. Joe and Ron welcome you to join discussions they used to have privately, where they discussed educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Joe is a third grade teacher and Ron a technology teacher for grades three to eight. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. Check us out on teachernerds.com and that's nerds with a Z. Find us on Instagram at teacher nerds podcast or on Twitter at teacher nerds. And now a word from a sponsor. Four, have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teacher nerds. Start the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nober, and I'm flying solo today with respect to my partner, uh, Joe DiPaolo. Joe's out. His, uh, his son is sick. Um, but I am a technology teacher for third grade to eighth grade, and I am happy to uh, have Allison Morgan joining us from Zensational Kids. So, Allison, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um. Allison is going to be talking to us about mindfulness um, and bringing that into schools. Uh, Zensational Kids, you know, uh, does professional development for teachers and students, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, we do. Awesome. And parents. And parents. Oh, that's even better. Um, parents. So we always start off our show with our two yes more, one no way. And Allison, today we're going to be doing ice cream flavors. Um mm-hmm. If anybody's listened to our episodes in the past, Joe and I, this typically revolves around food for some reason. Um, <laughs> Maybe because yeah. everybody likes food. True, yeah. There, there's there's something everybody likes about food. Um, so we're going to start off with our ice cream edition. It's time for two yes more, one no so you ready? You ready for my two, two yeah. likes? Allison, yeah. you want to start? Okay. Yeah. So, so my two mores are mint chip, mint oh. chocolate chip. Now, do you go and, with the green mint chocolate chip or right, the what? what? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I have a thing with anything that looks artificial. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how you got that green. Right. So yeah, it has to be white. And Here's the funny one, though. I also like pistachio, and typically pistachio ice cream right, is green. Right. I have to have one exception to my rule. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And what and about a no way flavor? Yeah, my no way. I actually have two no way flavors. Okay. okay. One is party cake. Yeah, I can see that. Or like, or like cookie dough. Yep. Like any cookie and rum raisin. Yeah, I I, I definitely see both of those as as no ways. <laughs> um. So I would have to say my my two yes mores, you know, one has to be just straight traditional good chocolate ice cream. 
um, is one for sure. And my other is I'm a Reese's peanut butter cup fanatic. So uh, Turkey Hill has a Reese's peanut butter cup or a peanut butter cup ice cream. And I know just, it well. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's definitely one of my, one of my absolute favorites and my no way um, has to be like the party cake, you know, like bits of things that are not supposed to be frozen in ice cream in ice yeah. cream just doesn't work for me. So, yeah. all right. So we have a lot in common. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's get into the episode. Um, so can you just give us a, a little bit of background about yourself and how you got into into the mindfulness? Yeah, sure. Um, it really started with my work in schools. So I've been working in schools for like almost 30 years Okay. now, um, but my work started as an occupational therapist. Oh, okay, great. I was primarily working with the special needs population, students with autism, nonverbal, um, ADHD, you know, broad developmental delays. And I also started seeing the very behaviorally reactive kids that nobody else knew what to do with. Okay. That was sort of the population that I was seeing in the schools. Um, but about 15 years ago, I just happened to discover yoga and mindfulness in my own life. It had right. nothing to do with work. It was sort of like I stepped into a yoga class almost by accident. Okay. <laughs> like, All right, I've never done this. Let me give it a let me give it a try. And it was in that very first yoga class that we're just standing on a mat, breathing very intentionally. Um, monitoring the pace of my breath, the pace of my movement. And in a very short amount of time in this class, I just started to notice that my whole body felt different. Um, I felt calmer. I felt more settled. My thoughts, my racing thoughts started to settle. Uh, and I was just like, this is unbelievable that with what I'm doing in these few minutes, it causes this change. Right. internally within me and I was like hooked but it was really this first class that I was taking that I also just started thinking about all the kids that I work with in the school okay yep. these kids that can't settle they can't regulate they're behaviorally reactive they're angry all the time they're um they're really even hard to gauge like what's going to happen in the next moment and I just thought wow I wonder if the kids that I work with ever feel like this they ever have this sense of truly settled and i'm going to use this other word of safe okay of yep. feeling safe within their body and you know my whole background my whole you know education was through through science you know i'm right. research based um, um so really through OT, that was part of our goal to help kids to self-regulate and to be able to calm. And we were doing all, you know, all these other modalities. But for me, nothing like yoga or mindfulness helped me get to those states. So I'm like, what, why don't we teach this to our kids? Right. Like, why can't we just use breath and movement and focused attention to help them get to these states? Now, this was 15 years ago. 15 years ago, you weren't seeing a lot about mindfulness right? or, you know, there wasn't research about this. It was just sort of things that people did in gyms and there were a couple of studios around. Right. That was the extent of it. Um, but because I'm an OT, 
OTs are born to adapt things. Like that's just what we do. So I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try a couple of things with these kids. And again, I was working with preschoolers with autism that were nonverbal, you know, trying to teach them how to breathe or how right. to move their body in specific, in specific ways with their breath. And it's really about getting a neurological shift. It's really about um, aligning the nervous system because that's how we get to calm states. It's, it's really about um, getting our nervous system there. And in a very short amount of time, like within the first like three months of me like playing around right. with the kids that I worked with, I was convinced like this works. This absolutely works. There are things that we could do to tap into their nervous system much quicker than all the other things that we're doing. Then, you know, typically in schools when we're working with kids that are behavioral, the first thing they think about is like behavioral plan. Right, right. Like, want a behavioral plan and like get this in order. But the reality is, is the way the reason why they're behavior behaving in these ways it's because they're experiencing challenging emotions their nervous system is totally dysregulated like the the outward behavior is really just the manifestation of something going awry within them right and especially for our special needs kids they can't always express it and quite you know of what that is it's just something's not right so they act out. Yep. Um, so, you know, I started really going at odds with a lot of the behavioral professionals oh, sure, right. in, our, in, in the school because I was seeing a way of how, how to deal with what was underneath the surface right. of the behavior. So that's really how I got started exploring mindfulness with, um, with students. And then from what I was doing with the special needs population, I mean, this was going back 15 years ago. You know, think about, I don't know how long, Ron, you've been in education, how long? So I've been in seven years. Um, I okay. came I came to teaching at 40. Um, okay. wow. You know, I have a, my wow. background is, my bachelor's degree is in anthropology. Um, so I worked for four years as an archeologist um, prior to meeting my wife who had a dog training business uh -huh. and I left archeology span to join her in dog training. And I was a dog trainer for, well, I still, I still train, um, on the weekends mm -hmm. and in evenings. Um, so I, I was a dog trainer for, you know, I've been a dog trainer for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so wow. education for seven, but you saying 15 years ago, that was about the time when my wife and I got introduced to Zen Buddhism and mindfulness. Oh, wow. um, mm -hmm. Because we had a one of our dogs, you know, who was like our our demonstration dog. Um, you know, we had had her for five years and she passed. And, mm -hmm. you know, we were just devastated. And, you know, we've had a lot of dogs, but it it never was to this level. She was so young. She was our demonstration dog. And one of our clients sent my wife just a uh, quote about, you know, death and dying. And it was from Buddha. And that, you know, she then inquired and there's a Zen monastery 15 minutes from our house here mm -hmm. in, in Southampton. The, the monastery is in Shemong. 
and mm -hmm. we started to go and you know i just saw all changes in myself you know mm -hmm. kind of similar to what you were saying yeah. i had i had had a a pretty strained relationship with my father and had never forgiven him and mm -hmm. it was through my practice there that i was able you know i was able to let go and forgive and kind of, mm -hmm. and the weight that that took off of me and yeah. what it allowed the rest of my family to see and for mm -hmm. them to then be able to say you know what we can forgive them too and have some kind of a relationship wow. yeah it was just really wow. powerful um, yeah so, that's really that's yeah. really powerful but i'm sorry i got off track uh but seven no, years i've been okay. in education <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't know your yeah. your background yeah. there um, but where I was going, yep. going with that was the, you know, the amount of time you've been in education. So seven years, and we could even use that as a marker of how students have changed. Oh yeah. The last seven, the last seven years. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, we're seeing kids now that are more inattentive, yep. more hyperactive, um, more, um, you know, emotionally reactive. Yeah, sure. We're seeing a lot more anger, um, anxious, anxiety. Yeah, yeah, anxious, stressed, um, difficulty coping, low resilience. Yep. You know, so we're seeing all of these issues grow with students. And even, you know, ten years ago, when I was still really in the schools as an OT, we started seeing all these all of these changes. And teachers started asking me, like, I know you're doing some mindfulness with your the kids you're working with, but I have all these kids in my classroom. I don't know what's going on. Right. And they're not going to be classified. I don't know how to help them. Like, can you come into my classroom and just give me some strategies? So I really, I, I couldn't work with kids one-on-one -on -one that were not part of the, um, you know, special needs population, but I could work with a whole classroom when I had kids on my caseload that were in the classroom. Right. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So I would go in and do something like short and sweet to help pull everybody together, settle them down and balance their nervous system. And I found that I was able to do that by teaching very specific breathing tools. So the way that we use our breath, our breath is, is, um, Auto automatic right. from our autonomic nervous system, but we also have the ability to control our breath. And when we take control of our breath, and what I mean by that is being aware of inhaling and exhaling, um, maybe lengthening the inhale, lengthening the exhale. Yep. There's a difference between breathing out of our nose and breathing out of our mouth. Like there's all these different ways that we can train how we use our breath and, and alter how we use our breath and it affects our nervous system. So I found that there were specific things we could teach children of how to use their breath, specific movements. They're, so they're yoga-based movements. Right. But again, how we use our body, you know, flipping our head upside down, resting our head on our desk or on the floor, or stretching our body um, and extending our limbs. All of these things also um, go right into the nervous system, and they change the flow of specific hormones that are streaming through our body and based on the hormones in our body it affects our mood and right. it affects our mood affects our behavior right and we i i found ways to even very young children like preschool children of how to help them focus their attention wow okay and bring, 
and bring kindness to themselves and kindness to others. But, you know, I'm, I, with all these practices, um, I was always a realist. Like, I want these practices to be used, but if they're going to be used in a classroom, they have to be really short and sweet. Right. No teacher is going to have me come in or they're not going to stop for 15 minutes right. to do something. So I, I was always looking at what could I do quickly I always said the biggest bang for the buck, right? right? Sure, yeah. The biggest, the biggest amount of change for the smallest amount of time. So that was sort of part of my criteria of, of what I'm going to share in your classroom. And then it got to a point where I literally in two minutes was able to shift the whole energy of a classroom based on what I was sharing. And I'm like, this is ri ridiculous. Like this is, I don't want to say like the silver bullet or the pixie dust or, but it was unlike anything else that we had been doing in schools at the time to help kids really settle, manage their behavior, focus their attention and feel good within themselves. And we know that all those things are required in order for learning. Right. Right. There was nothing that we were doing that was providing that. We were expecting kids to come into classrooms like that. Right, with and that social, were. emotional stability. Exactly, yeah. right, which now we really need to teach. Right. So um, what came to me really was I should not be the only one doing this. I wasn't aware of really other people that were doing this in schools because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe a couple of programs were popping up online. There really was not a lot offered, especially for this age, right? right. Being in school. Um, so I was just like, I have to teach this to more people and I have to reach the educators. So I, that's when I formed Sensational Kids. It was like about eight years ago. Okay. And I really had no idea at that time what would evolve with mindfulness. You know, at the time, Many of my colleagues thought I was just crazy. I had a thriving <laughs> OT business, and now you're going to go and do this. Like, right. sounds cute, Allison. Right. Sounds nice. <laughs> um, but what really kept me going at the time is um, I I have always believed in children, in the resilience of children. Right. And I have always believed that um, – whatever I do with my work with children, it's always about doing the right thing. And the right thing to me was what works, what helps them feel more peaceful, what helps them feel more, more whole, what helps them feel more accepted, what helps them feel more in control of themselves. Um, these are all things that even as an OT, what I was, what I was striving towards, you know, working towards, but just nothing worked, right. like what I was doing. So then I had this like, you know, dilemma. Do I do just what everybody expects me to do so it looks like what they're used to? Right. Or do I just do what works, even though it's like foreign to everybody else? Because they've never done these things. It's new. Well, it's ancient. These are ancient. Right, acts. right. But it's new to us but, and new in school. Right. So, but I'm getting such unbelievable results. Right. Um, and it wasn't just me that was seeing them. I mean, even teachers were saying like, what did you do? Like, what was that? Right. Um, and parents were calling me like my son was really, really upset last night and he ended up just sitting down. He put his hand on his heart and his hand on his belly and he just started breathing and closed his eyes. Like, yep. what's he doing? Right. Um, 
so I just made this decision. Like it was, it was really like this defining moment silently with myself, right? Like continue doing what they expect of, of you, like for it to look like, or do what you know is working and is right for the sake of children. And I'm like, you know what? I'll be the weird one. Right. Be a disruptor. Excuse me. I said, be a disruptor. Right. I mean, like, well, that's, that's exactly it. That's, that's exactly, exactly it. And I think part of that is from working with students with special needs, like they're always the disruptor. Right. Right. So now I'll be a disruptor for them and for all these other children that are coming down the line that I know are suffering and all schools have been prepared to do is put a Band-Aid on it. Right. A checklist. Um, that was really good. You get a sticker. Right. That was really good. Go get a gumball. Um, and, you know, you work with dogs. Yep. <laughs> right. What does that remind you of? Like that. That's how we train dogs. Right. Get a different behavior. But we're not dogs. Right. We are. Well, you're not addressing the underlying issue. That's, you're, exactly. you're not teaching them why they why this behavior occurred and how can I deal with it the next time? It's just right. I did it right that time. I don't know why I did it right or how I did it right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So behavior plans, they're they're all a band-aid. You will get an immediate result. Right. Right? The child will stop the behavior because you scared that of them. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> um, but that's but that's but that's why it's not lasting. They're not learning right. anything. They're not learning anything. Right. And the rewards um, start to fade off. You know what I mean? Like the reward's great for the first, you know, maybe three times or something that you get a reward and then the reward becomes the norm. So it's not special anymore. So now it starts to fall off because I never really learned how to deal with the issues at hand anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Now now I need a Maserati to make. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. It used to be the little toy or, you know, a bag of chips. Now I need a steak dinner. (laughs) Right. That's how we roll as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty awesome. And it all, you know, again, when you, it's one of those things, like even for me as a dog trainer, you know, when you start to work through it with people, when you talk to people about it, they're like, oh, wow, that really just makes sense. And it's kind of the same thing, like what you were doing, once people start to see it, they're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Like this, you know, I do see this in, you know, like you said, ancient practices and and where it's where things are going now with mindfulness, like, but back then when you started it, it wasn't as common and maybe didn't make as much sense for people. Right. And it was also, you know, very much viewed like links to religion. That's what I was just going to say. Did you get pushed back? It's what we're doing right now. To me, it's really neuroscience. Right. We, we, we know, I mean, there's enough research about the specific practices that we're doing. And we've had research on our curriculum that we teach in schools that we, we are shifting the nervous system. We are shifting the neurocircuitry. Um, there's been so much research done with fMRIs, you know, functional MRIs where we could see the brain in action. And we can see that when, um, we're engaged in any of these short practices or exercises, there's a shift from the reactive part of the brain firing to the prefrontal cortex and our executive functions turning on. Um, and the more we practice these things, the more we're able to 
with intention turn on our prefrontal right. cortex and calm the back part of of our brain which is the reactive part which is where most of the behavior stems from um so we have that you know research backing now to know what it is that we're doing and the shifts that we're that we're creating so you can and, you can kind of you know combat that it's a religion aspect yeah, I mean, we still do we have programs all over the country and certainly different parts of the country sure. they're still um they're still where we were i'm on the north in the northeast some parts of this country with mindfulness their understanding of it right. and acceptance of it is where we were maybe 10 years ago sure um but to me it's all about awareness and yep. knowledge and that's a big part of what sensational kids does we provide the knowledge to even like in our trainings or you know our trainings are about teaching educators what they could do with their students um however it's a big education on where the research is where the issues are right now with our students um you know we, we're in a mental health crisis right now uh, yep. one in five students have or will have a mental health disorder by the time they're they're an adult um the rates of um suicide, suicide yeah between 10 and 14 year olds yep. in the past like seven years has tripled yep tripled you know crazy and the rates of trauma now you know what we're what we're learning now about trauma you know through the ACE study and through other research that's going on is the prevalence of developmental trauma so this is not like you know post-traumatic um, stress right it's developmental trauma so children that are living in conditions and it's not just of like pottery uh, poverty or drug abuse in the family but if there's divorce if there's sure. verbal abuse if there's neglect you know there's there's this whole umbrella of what constitutes trauma in a child's life while their brain and body is developing we know that one out of four children across this country have experienced trauma yeah i believe and, it coming from education like that was i think the biggest shock for me coming in is what the students that i'm seeing are dealing with yeah, uh, it, yeah. you know i'm like as an adult i couldn't deal with some of this stuff and we're asking students to deal with it and come into school and function and as if nothing were happening right right yeah. Right. So, so, you know, based on the statistics of what we know is true about the state of our children and based on the research of what we know of how our brain hooks up and how our brain is working, we know that children that have experienced these things um, and are having, you know, mental health issues, we know that it changes the circuitry of their brain. They're wired to protect, they're wired to defend, they're wired to perceive much of what their daily experience is as threatening. Right. So when we're in those states, we're in survival mode. Survival mode is all about back brain firing, put me in fight, flight, or freeze. Yep. You know, get me to safety. It's either like get me out of here or don't see me. Right. You know, so they're either hypo hyper aroused, you know, aggressive yep. and angry and vigilant, or they're hypo aroused. They're just they're hiding. You know, they're the they're the quiet kids. Right. That don't really rock the classroom, you know, they just stay quiet. Like but the unseen child almost. Yeah, they're literally in in states of survival. Yep. 
So what we know these practices are able to do is move them out of survival mode and turn them into thriving mode. We're able to um, quiet those reactive parts of the brain and turn on the thinking parts of the brain or the like the neocortex, the sure. prefrontal cortex. Um, so we know that we're helping kids get their brains and bodies into a learning ready state. So, you know, while teachers are, are um, teaching to students as they come through the door, you know, it's like, come in, put down your backpacks, get settled, get to your seats, take out your notebooks, right. do your do now. Right. Right. But they're coming in, in, you know, pain-based um, brain states with the back of their brain firing. They're not really, they're not learning. They're not organizing the information. They're not, you know, organizing them, themselves. So what we suggest is, you know, have students come in, but start with a simple practice, yep. simple breathing practice, feet on the floor, hands on your heart, hands on your belly, take a deep breath in, you know, starting to teach kids how to really become aware of their breath for two minutes. Right. You know, it's really our practices are nothing more than two minutes. And that's nothing a, more than two minutes. So that's you taking attendance. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, our, you know, so many s educators will say like, oh, where am I supposed to get the two minutes? Of from? course. Yeah. Like everything, like, look at my, look at my lesson plan yep. here. I have to teach 23 minutes of math. I have to teach 14 minutes of, da, 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 you know, all of these things. And, you know, my response to that really is th during those times, how much time are you spending on behavioral management? Right. How right. much time are you spending on your your kids that become distracted and trying to pull them back? Right. I bet you're spending in in your forty minute lesson. Is could it be ten minutes? I, I would. I was going to say uh, easily between seven and ten minutes. Yeah. So what if you took two minutes, and over a very short amount of time, when kids get used to doing these practices, that sort of handles all the behavioral issues right and now you've actually gained time you gain time right right while you're also teaching them an empowering tool that right. they end up using in other parts of their life exactly. not just in the classroom so we know that kids are using these practices and it's helping them on the playground to you know manage discord with with a peer you know, they, right. they want to get into a fight, like they're getting really angry, but they're able to manage their anger. If they manage their anger on the spot, there is no fight. Right. Right. We know that students are going back home and they're using these practices at home, like when they get scared, when they get upset. Right. We know that they're teaching these practices to their parents. You know, many of the behaviors our kids walk in with, they come from some, they're learned from somewhere. Of course, yeah. From home. Like our parents don't have these management tools sure so they're teaching them to their parents well that's pretty amazing that's awesome I mean, yeah, it's got to it, be great to see the progression yeah it's it's really really um unbelievable of what we've seen you know over i'm going to say like the last seven years that we've really been partnering with schools and um growing these practices in in school building so when we started when i developed the curriculum i really was just 
interested in getting it in, in as many schools, in as many educators' hands. So we offer um, you know, professional development throughout the year and teachers come. But what we found now, you know, now that there's so much more research, there's more programs out there, you know, like ours, um, we know the effectiveness of these things. Um, what we know is that um, the more teachers in a building that are using these tools, the more shift you start to see just within the culture of the school. Sure. Yeah, and, so, and that's it. Somebody wants to know, what are you guys doing over there in that classroom that, oh, you, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So really our focus over the past five years has been how do we help entire school communities, so school buildings right. and districts begin to adopt these practices just as like, this is just what we do. Right. This is part of our day. It's part of our school culture, um, but how do we support them in in making that happen? And um, you know what we've seen is that schools that that we have worked with for several years, because this is also not the kind of thing where schools could say, "Oh, this is our new initiative." Like, I mean, some schools do this, but we really advise against it, like right. saying it's a school initiative and everybody's got to do. You all have to do this now in your classroom, right? It does. It does. It turns people way. off almost immediately. Yeah, there yep. are people that it just doesn't resonate with. Sure. Which you know, I honor that. It's not. Right. It's not for everybody, um, especially in the beginning when you don't know about it. But here's the other thing that we have really um, tailored our programs to um, help with is that what we know is that the, there's a rise in. Um, student stress and anxiety and i'll also throw anger in there okay because most teachers will say like these are these are the big issues you know right. kids can't cope they're angry but there's also i would say if we looked at it on a, a graph there has also been this incredible progression of educators that are physically emotionally um ex exhausted 100 percent. yep Exhausted, in fact, um, from the Teachers Federation, there's a statistic about 78% of teachers across this country say that they are uh, physically and emotionally just like de depleted. Yeah. Um, we know that there are more and more teachers leaving the profession. Right. There are more and more teachers that are, they're just, they're frustrated. They yep. don't know what to do. They have given up. Um, there are more and more teachers. This is going to come out soon of the amount of teachers that have become sick on the job, right? Whether it is um, uh, cancer, yep. um, they're seeking mental health um, issues, heart disease, liver disease. And the reason why is that we know that the amount of uh, stress that teachers are placed under now, it is um, equal to the amount of stress as an emergency room physician. Well, cause you, I mean, you are like dealing with trauma and, and right. Yeah. You're, you're putting out this fire and that fire and, and yeah, a hundred percent. So what teachers um, are asked to do now, it is almost impossible for a human being to do all that. Right. So the amount of stress that they're under is just like unsurmountable. Yeah. So what we've done over the last five years is we have also put in educator self-care. And I love that. I love that on your site. That was one of the, the programs. 
Yeah. And it's actually over the past few years, we have really seen it grow. And I'm, I'm so excited about that because when I really started talking about this fervently five years ago, um, most administrators were like, well, yeah, but they have to deal like this is their job. Right. This is right. This is what you do. And I'm sorry, but we're human beings, right? We can't expect just like our students, we can't expect them to like, I had a fight with mommy today. I'm just just going to like brush it off. Today's my day to learn. I'm just going to get in there. We can't expect teachers to do that either because for some of them, they're walking into a battleground in their classroom. Right. Right. And they're just protecting and they're armoring up. Sure. And they're reacting to student behavior with the same type of reactive behavior. Right. And then you're also talking about what they're the teacher themselves is bringing from the stress that they may have had at home or, absolutely. you know, so now you're almost doubling what they're dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, so our programs are really not about, Oh, what can we do to help kids behave, you know, manage their behavior, manage their emotions, focus their attention, build resilience. It's at the same time, how can we do this for, for caring for our educators right. and how can we teach them these self-empowering tools so that on the spot they can feel themselves about to flare up themselves feeling unsafe right. and unsettled what could they do with their breath with their with their attention on the moment so they could first manage themselves and then manage the classroom yep and i guess that last year our district for the first time did a, an entire PD day was to teacher health. Yeah. And there were, there were health screenings and there was uh, financial talks you could go to. And there were, you know, just sit and relax and read a book sessions and go for a walk sessions and healthy eating and uh, you know, art, doing artwork and just, it was the entire day and it was probably one of the best, PD days yeah, and people still talk about it and can't wait for it to happen in the spring again. I I bet they do. Yeah. So with sensational kids, we actually take it a step further because we really pull in that awareness piece and the awareness is of sensing and feeling what's happening within you so that you can discover other things in your day that will help you get to that same sense of, and feeling so that you don't have to wait for that to be offered again right, next right, year. Right. Right. You know, something powerful that you could do when you get to your car after work. Yep. And that's funny because on the, en- the engine, Yeah, right? I have because- discussions with my wife where she says, you know, sometimes I feel like the best of you is what was given at school. And I'm kind of getting what's left over. And, and you kind of think like, yeah, that, that that probably does happen because I have to put the best in me for the kids because, yeah. you know, I, I want them to have the best experience. Um, but I have, I, I've even started just when I get into my car, like you said, turn on the engine. Yeah. And I may, my house is five minutes from school. So I don't have a lot of downtime between school yeah. and home, but I'll mm-hmm. sit in the parking lot for, three, four minutes and I'll just kind of close my eyes and I'll breathe, you know, no radio on just the purr of the engine and that's it. And then I'll go home. Yeah. 
Yeah. I often tell the story of how I really started to um, have a meditation practice and it was in my car. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where I started because at the time that I was learning these things, my, I have three children that are now grown. Um, They were very young. And when I would, you know, leave work, I also only lived five minutes from the school that I was primarily working in. And um, I didn't have a lot of downtime in the ca- in the car. But when I got home, it's like my kids are all over right, me, right? right. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Um, and there was really no sacred space unless I was going to wait till everything, you know, dinner dinner's done, cleaned up, the kids are in bed, and then you know, do a meditation. Really, by then, I just wanted to get right. You want to be in bed. <laughs> um, so I used to. Um, I would actually leave the parking lot at school because people already thought I was weird. Right. right? They didn't need to see me in my car with my eyes closed, but I would drive to my neighborhood and pull pull the yep. car to the side of the road. And um, at this time, we didn't even have like, you know, iPhones. Sure. I would have uh, an egg timer in my okay. car. Yep. Um, and I would start with one minute. Yep. That's how I started meditating. Yep. One minute. And sometimes I do the same when I get to school, like before I turn the computer on, I'll sit at my desk and I will just take, you know, again, a minute, two minutes, yeah. close my eyes, breathe, and then turn on my computer and get ready to start the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's power. It's powerful. And I don't, I think a lot of times people hear like, you know, one or two minutes and they're like, oh, come on, really one or two minutes and, and you're, everything's changed and, you know, and no, not everything's changed, but I am more centered. And here's the other thing that I that I explain. There are two things um, that I explain. Uh, what the research shows is it's not about the duration, about how long okay. you you sit in a practice or you focus your attention. It's about the frequency. It's not about the duration. It's about the frequency. Ah, interesting. So the research has shown is that short moments throughout your day where you stop, you pause, you notice, you breathe, you, you stretch, um, you focus your attention. Those are much more powerful to the brain in ter- because we're rewiring the brain. Okay. So every time you do something, it's a practice. Right. So every time you do something, you're switching the neural cir- circuits in your brain. It's way more powerful to just keep having little bursts of that throughout the day rather than I sat for 20 minutes on Monday. Right. I should be good till next Monday. <laughs> right. It, yep. it really doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and this made a lot of sense to me as a therapist, because in school, like the prescriptive therapy is one time a week, right, right. two times a week. You're not getting, and in therapy, we're looking for neurological change. You're not getting that. This is why kids are in program. Right. For years and years and years and years and IEP goals, you know, kind of stay the same year right. after year. Um, well, that's it just we makes started. sense. Repetition and consistency is what drives that's, things. That's how our brain works. Right. Practice makes, I wouldn't say perfect, but practice makes pro- progress. Right. That's how a human, a human being is designed. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, that was one thing that I wanted to mention. And then there was something else, and it's it's escaped me a bit right now. Okay. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll it'll come back to me. Um, so we're kind of running to our. We do about forty five minutes, so we're yeah, running right yeah. to about there. So I honestly like I'd love to have you back as a guest because I'd love to hear a little more about you know what are some of the programs that 
you know, you kind of run in school? What are some of the programs you run for teachers and for parents? Um, so, you know, yeah, and maybe we could in this uh, next session, maybe there could be just a couple of practices that oh, I share. Yeah, that would be it's great. Simple. Yeah. Even if I just share a couple of things that educators could could do for themselves. And I'd love that because Joe, you know, Joe always says, like, I can't imagine sitting and doing nothing for five minutes, you know, because I'll say sometimes, you know, I will have a meditation session that is, you know, 15 minutes, a half an hour long. And he's like, I can't even imagine. I, you know, I just, so I would love for him to just try. Yeah, so let's do that. Yeah, that would be great. So where can people get in touch with you? Are you on, you know, social media? Yeah, we're, we're on, um, well, LinkedIn. I have a personal LinkedIn site. We're on Instagram. And so what is it? What are you? Zensational Kids. Okay. Um, we're on um, Facebook, okay. of course. Same also, thing, Zensational Kids. Zensational Kids. The best way really is to go to our website because yep. it's all there and you could just click on all of those links. The other thing is on our website, we have a free download, an ebook. Yeah, so that was great. Teachers and parents can go can go on and they can download this ebook. It's fully illustrated and scripted so you can follow some practices with your with your students. And, and I love some of the audio. You have some of the audio on there, there some, you know, yes, guided some, meditation type free things. resources. Yep. So there are some that are better audio you could just play and yep. use them for yourself or in your in your classroom. Um, so the to get to my website, it's just zensationalkids.com. That's awesome. Um, so hopefully uh, we get some people to check it out. Um, and you how you will go all over the country yeah, for we, PD we and stuff? Yeah, we travel all over the country. Um, you know, our mission really is to help schools um, embrace these practices just as part of their day. We really are looking at it as a way to shift the, the culture yep. and the climate within the school building. So we really help them develop a model that's sustainable. Um, it's not the type of thing where like, yep, year after year, you're going to hire us and we're going to have to come and right. we're going to keep doing these practices. We really are training your in-house faculty of how to use these tools for themselves and for their students. Mm -hmm. And we train mindful leadership within your school so that you have your own faculty that help grow it awesome. and, and build it in your school. Wow, that's awesome. Well, again, I, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's early in the morning. and uh, That's but, right. I'm an early riser. Okay, me too. It's a, it's a beautiful day out. So um, yeah. thank you so much for joining thank us. You. And uh, I look forward to having you on again. I'll be in contact with you to, to set Good. that up. Great. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Wow. What a great episode. I am so thankful that uh, Allison Morgan was able to join us. And, you know, sorry, Joe wasn't here, but we'll uh, we'll get Joe on and get him into some mindfulness practice another time. Um, thank you all for joining us. I'm Ron Nober. Joe's not here today, but we are the Teacher Nerds, and that is Nerds with a Z. Check us out on teachernerds.com. Check us out on Twitter at teachernerds and on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast. And remember, that is nerds with a Z. Check out the Teacher Nerds store. Buy yourself some Teacher Nerds gear. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you all teacher next time. Teacher Nerds, Teacher Bye. Nerds, knocking on your door.
Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try, don't be shy, there's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teaching nerds, I'm talking teaching nerds.